0: Do any of you have the, what I would call a blank page syndrome? If you're a preacher, you probably do, but you know, if you're doing an essay or if you're writing something, you know, and you you have that blank piece of paper, or more like today, you have that blank screen and you haven't started and you don't know how to start, and an hour later and two cups of coffee later or whatever, you've still got a blank page and a blank screen. Well, it happens to preachers every now and again. Uh, the way I put it is sometimes sermons come by inspiration and sometimes by perspiration. Um, that was such an occasion for me about ten days ago when I was thinking about this message for this morning. And I, I suddenly thought about this, this, this um, theme of knowing the will of God. And yet the more I thought about it, the more I researched, the more I looked into the Bible, I still had a blank page and wasn't able to get away from that blank page. Um, But I thought it was so important that we should think about knowing the will of God. That week, I just had a number of meetings uh, with groups of people, some one-to-one meetings. And uh, I don't know if you've had the experience uh, that I had on that week, where you hear all uh, all these voices, all these ideas, all these suggestions. And in the middle of it all, including my own voice as well, in, in the middle of it all, you're thinking, you know, where's the voice of God in this? You know, when, he, when all is said and done, actually, what is God's will in this? Can we really know God's will in the midst of all the voices, that clamor for our attention? <clears throat> um, I mean, it, it, when you think about it, it's difficult to know the mind of God, isn't it, when actually we find it hard to even know the mind of each other. I mean, just think at the moment about your best friend or maybe your spouse or maybe a brother or sister, whoever is the person who perhaps is the closest to you. Do you know their mind? Now, I have to say we have a very harmonious relation. Let me start off by saying we have a very strong marriage before I say what I'm about to say. But we don't have the same mind. We are very different in the way we think, which is, which is good, actually. It's very healthy. Um, and to give you an idea, I remember um, not long ago, we were just about to go off to sleep, and uh, men, man brain, you see, man brain, I'm thinking, what's for dinner tomorrow? You see, we men, we think like that. Woman brain thinks differently. Suddenly, Dawn said, you know when we go on holiday in three months' time, do you want to take that blue jumper with you? I'm thinking, where did that come from? (laughs) I'm thinking about tomorrow's dinner. So I give the usual man's response. What blue jumper is that? Dawn says, you know, the one you had for Christmas. Really? I said. Yes, so she gets out of the wardrobe, my blue jumper. Oh, that purple jumper. And see, so we we have a harmonious relationship, but we think differently. Now, if I can't always get into the mind of my wife, who I share so closely with, how on earth can I know the will of God? How can I get into God's mind? And the more I thought about this, and the more I looked into verses, the more I could not get beyond that blank page until it dawned on me that I had hit on the wrong title. It is not about knowing the will of God. It's about... Doing the will of God. That's what it's all about. And this morning, I want to change the slide from not knowing about the will of God, but doing the will of God. It's not quite as nice a slide, I have to say. But it, it dawned on me that actually, we probably can't know the will of God unless we actually do it. Um, I never thought about being a, being a Salvation Army officer, and I, I, I felt this call, felt this voice. Should I, shouldn't I? But it was only actually when I started to push a door or two and agreed to make some some application that the door started to open, and a way seemed to be forward. And I, I I knew the will of God by doing it, by actually stepping out in faith. And suddenly, when I changed that one little word from knowing to doing, suddenly the inspiration flowed, some of the perspiration stopped and the inspiration started, and actually I started to come up with verses and verses of scripture which confirmed that. For example, what about this in, in one of the Psalms? Psalmist says in Psalm one four three, very simply, teach me to do your will, not to know your will, but to do it. What about this from the New Testament? For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, says Jesus, is my brother and sister and mother. What about this uh, from John's Gospel, Jesus, Jesus' words again? If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out if my teaching comes from God. I mean, that's quite a good verse, isn't it? Because it actually tells us that in order to know the will of God, in order to find out the will of God, then you need to choose to do the will of God. What about Ephesians? Let's turn to Paul's writing. Doing the will of God from your heart. Or Hebrews, the unknown writer of Hebrews. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Or what about the first letter of John? The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. And so he goes on and on and on, many verses talking about doing the will of God. And so it came up to me, the that, that inspiration, if you like, that there's a truth here, there's a principle here, and that is this. Knowing what to do must lead to doing what you know. Knowing what to do must lead to doing what you know. <clears throat> uh, To back up that principle, let me give you one final verse from the letter of James. And what a warning this is. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. It's a sin to know the will of God but not to do the will of God. What a warning that is for each one of us who claim to be Christians. It's good to have the knowledge, it's good to know what you ought to do, but we mustn't miss out on the doing. Too many Christians have the knowledge. Too many Christians know know it all in that sense, but actually fail to apply what they know. What a shame if this morning we we're hearing the 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 word of God, and the will of God, through so many acts of worship this morning, through the music ministry, through the reading of God's word, through the, the preaching of God's word. What a shame if this morning we hear it, we know what God is saying to us, but when we go out there, we leave it all behind. We do not apply it. We need to understand that the will of God is not just to be known, but it needs to be acted upon there are too many well-meaning Christians who, who know that they should love others as God has loved them, but fail to do it. They know the command in the Lord's Prayer to forgive others as the Lord has forgiven them, but they can't always find it within themselves to forgive even the, even the slightest error of someone else's ways. It's probably why one of the old songs, you know, the new songbook has ditched a lot of the old songs, but one of the really old songs uh, from our old songbook has made it to the new songbook. And maybe it's because the words are so important. It's written by Edward H. Joy. If I'm right, right to say, he was the author of the old Coy, wasn't he? Um, well, the same author of that old book wrote this song, All That's In Me the mind of Christ, a fixed abiding place may find, that I may know, uh, this is his starting point, you see, that I may know the will of God, but that's not the end, and live in him for lost mankind. So he had to add, add a chorus which says this, doing the will of God, doing the will of God, the best thing I know in this world below is doing the will of God. It's one thing to know the will of God, but greater. It's the best thing in the world to actually do the will of God. To see the will of God actually acting out in front of you. The great thing about serving God, don't you think, is the surprises that God gives to you. To go out to the Philippines, to see a church growing, to see the Bibles arriving, to go out to, to, to Greece and to see these people who've got no shoes on their feet, who haven't eaten for days, children who are malnourished, to, to see the will of God being done as, as they get ministered and as they, the, the, they get uh, the help that is needed. What a wonderful thing it is to, to do the will of God, the best The thing I know in this word below is not just knowing it, but to do the will of he who sent me, says Jesus. The problem with this theme, of course, as I was thinking about it, is it's almost too well known. I can imagine some of you, quite rightly, I have to say, sitting there thinking, you know, we've sat in meetings for the last 30, 40, 50 years or more, and we don't need to hear another sermon about doing the will of God. You know, we know that. You're you're teaching your grandmother how to suck eggs. But I wonder whether we really do need to hear this message. I actually think we do. I think we constantly need to be reminded of it. And I also want to suggest this morning, this is a timely time for us to hear this message. We all need to hear it because we face it every day about doing the will of God. Every time we make a decision, are we doing the will of God? The questions we ask ourselves, where is the will of God in this situation? When I don't get the exam results I was open for, where's the will of God? When I don't get the job that I applied for, where's the will of God in that? When this doesn't happen, when that doesn't happen, when the world comes caving in around me, where's the will of God in that? On Friday, my, my, my father, by the way, who's 85, he takes zero tablets. He takes no medication. He's been fit to the all his life. Why on Friday did he, have, did he have a stroke and is now in a hospital bed? Where's the will of God in that? For me, for you, these are real questions that we need an answer to. Where is the will of God in all these human situations that we face day by day? It's also a timely question, I think, because within the Salvation Army, we need to be really sure that we are doing the will of God. I think in the midst of making sure we get the mechanics of the Salvation Army right, we need to be careful that we don't end up with a Salvation Army that is management-led rather than mission-led. And I, I do believe we need the structures in place. Of course we do. But within that, and more importantly, that undergirding all that, we need to be sure that there's divine inspiration and that God is doing his will. And I'm saying this because over a number of years, that's 10, 20 years, it's become quite common within the army to look at um, managerial uh, situations. Authors like Stephen Covey who wrote these books, First Things First and The Seven Habits of Effectual Leader, are written by a secular author for a secular field and we've taken these models, uh, you know, the, the six hats and all these kind of things and tried to apply them to the church and there can be some benefit from them to be sure, but what we must be careful of is that we don't end up with a a purely structural, functioning, managerial salvation army that has no mission to it, that has no passion to it, that has no will of God within it. The best thing I know is not doing things more efficiently, but doing things more effectively because God's will is undergirding it all. As I was typing these notes, I also thought how secular... Our world has being, and how we are affected by the secularism out there. And as I was preparing these notes, I noticed someone had placed on Facebook um, a, a quotation. Um, it's a, it's a, a page on the Facebook which is called Encouragement in the Salvation Army. Maybe some of you have signed up members of that page. It's open uh, to anyone in the army. And someone put this quote on the page. You can see it on the screen. You don't have to be on stage or in front of a large crowd to make a difference. You are making a difference by living your life to the best of your ability. You may never know all the lives you are touching. Now, it's a lovely quote, and uh, many people, as you do on Facebook, liked it. Uh, Many salvations, many officers liked it, even put comments on it and so on. But the more I looked at that quote, the more it troubled me. Because actually... It seemed to me more of a secular quote than a Christian quote. And so I put a comment on. I don't sort of comment very, very easily on on Facebook, but I did on this occasion. And I did put a comment, and, uh, and 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 I said, this is a lovely quote, I'm sure it's helpful, but actually, may I rephrase it? And this is my rephrasing of that. You don't have to be on stage or in front of a large crowd to make a difference. Jesus is making a difference by living his life through you. Because you have surrendered your life to Jesus, you will one day know the lives you have touched for the kingdom. You see, the first version is all about what you do, how you can make a difference, about the lives that you are touching. The Christian quote is all about Jesus It's all about what he is doing. It's all about his will. It's all about the lives that Jesus is touching through you. Let me show you this difference again by just quoting the final verse in the book of Judges. The final verse in the book of Judges sums up the whole of the book of Judges. It covers a 400-year period Um, of of the, the, the land of Israel when Joshua brought the Israelites back into Israel they divided up into the tribal lands they all settled down and Judges talks about the spiraling away of God's people away from God they were in God's land but they were coming away from God's people. And this last verse sums up the whole of this dark period, this dark spiritual period, as the, the land became secularized and less spiritualized. And the last verse summed it all up by saying, everyone did what was right, which sounds great, doesn't it? What a great way to finish a, a great book. Everybody did what was right. But here is the sting in the tale. Everyone did what was right... Kenny hits the button, in their own eyes. That's the problem. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. I'm doing what I want. You're doing what you want. Everybody's doing what they want. And I read that and I thought to myself, aren't I glad that I don't live in a world like that? The truth is, we do. That is exactly the world that we live in. Everybody is, I'm all right, Jack, kind of world. That's the, that is the world that we live in, to do what we want to do, to do it our way, and to make sure that we get through. That was the problem with the, that 400-year period that the book of Judges covers, why people spiraled away from God, because it was no longer about Jesus being on the stage. It was about them being on the stage, and everything being about Let me finish um, by saying that the problem in this society, uh, in in, in the day of judges, is the the problem that's right before our eyes here this morning. The truth is that we live in this kind of world, not a world full of bad people, but a, a world of people who are doing things right, but only in their own eyes. Our responsibility as Christians is to know and to do the will of the Lord who we've given our lives to. We've bowed our knee to Jesus. We've surrendered our life to Jesus. We've sung together this morning, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And we have brought ourselves before Jesus because we wanted to say, Jesus, it's not about me. It's not about me getting my way. It's not about any of us getting our way. It's about God getting his way, about his will be done. Jude's letter is a very short letter in the New Testament, but he talks in that very short letter about how the church was full of God-fearing people who had faith, but that now certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license of immortality immortality and deny Jesus Christ. Even within the church we need to be careful that there are not those who are slipping in amongst us who are not uh, focused on, on the will of God. You see, Jesus certainly wasn't blasé about doing his Father's will as we've already seen by two or three quotes. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when you think about it, when Jesus was grief-stricken, when Jesus was was sweating great drops of blood, when Jesus was in that crisis moment and he he prayed, God take this, this cup of suffering away from me even in that moment Jesus was able to say, but not my will be done but thy will be done not me, but you that's our attitude that needs to be our prayer that needs to be our plea the fulfillment of, uh, of that kind of prayer, that, that what is done in heaven shall be, be done on earth because God is working his, his will and his life through each one of us. Jesus came to do this Father's will. That's what he was about. Jesus never said, I want to know the will of God. He said, I've come to do it. That was his mission. That was his goal. That was his life. That was the will of the one who sent him. We read in John's Gospel, Jesus explained my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. That was the fulfillment, that was to be fulfilled for Jesus was knowing that the will of God was being done. And doing the will of God for you and me should be food and drink as well. It should be why we live. It should be what we're about. It's, it's the benchmark that we should rise up to. It's what doing the will of God means to us that's really important. And it needs to be more than just singing an old song. It needs to be getting out there and wherever we are, and even in our places of work, wherever it is, in in that business meeting, in that that core council here, wherever that is, we're all here seeking God's kingdom, seeking God's will, and seeking to do and to implement God's will here on earth. That's what Jesus did. That's how Jesus saw his life and ministry, and that's what we are um, destined to do as well. Jesus re-explained his mission in the middle of his ministry, keeping things clear for us. He says this, I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. I don't know how clearer we could have it than that verse. There's nothing there, even, even about Jesus, a Son of God, doing what he wants to do. But it's about doing his heavenly work, heavenly Father's will. That's why we have that phrase, that we recently looked at, actually, in the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, everything goes according to God's plan. Jesus submitted himself to the Father, and the Holy Spirit interacted freely with both in a mysterious triune dance. When Jesus left heaven, he continued uh, on that track of obedience to show us what it would look like if God's will in heaven was done on earth how people would become changed how people would become healed how people would leave the world behind and seek God's will here even here on earth and even before we get to heaven and Jesus' mission was to do exactly that it's our mission too but of course it will be different for each one of us as we act that out. And that's the tricky bit, isn't it? To, to make sure that the main thing is that we follow up uh, Jesus' words here. That, that we, can, we can speak to God as Jesus spoke to God. That we can deal with others as Jesus tried to deal with others. That we can bring the glory to God with everything that we do to and now I, I pray for each one of us who, who go out there really try our best to be Christians. How, how I pray for us collectively as, um, as a church of God's people here and for those who are visiting, how I pray for your congregation that you will be a people of God who is doing God's will, who is seeking God's will, seeking to know what it is and, and saying to God, God, give us the courage, give us the grace, give us all that we need, give, give us that, that grace which still amazes me in order to do your will. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, and and through your life and through your death and through your resurrection, that we can play a part in doing God's will. What a privilege, what an honor it is for us to be entrusted with the work that God the Father gave to God the Son.